You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, it's the Hidden Yardage Podcast. I'm Mark Lane, joined by Sean Martin. Sean, it's week one. What do you say? It is football season, man. It was so nice to see, you know, the college game kind of be in the spotlight for a weekend there, though, where they had just Saturday to do their thing, and we already had some great games and some upsets and all that, and I know you were taking in Arkansas-Cincinnati, which is pretty cool to see. So college is in the spotlight for a bit. Of course, it's still here, but the pros are here as well in the NFL season. Finally upon us. Yeah, and like I said, the weekends, in my opinion, shift to Tuesday and um, Wednesday. Those are the only days on the calendar where there's not a football game going on, unless there's some kind of weird Power Five team, like usually Tulane or you know one of those teams usually plays like a weird Tuesday or Wednesday game. But other than that, yeah, that's basically it. It's football all the time now. How about Iowa winning a game against South Dakota State 7-3? to And you'd say, okay, well, they scored like an early touchdown and then South Dakota State couldn't move the ball. No, they got the 7 with a field goal and two safeties. Welcome to Big Ten football. They opened up for the Hawkeyes. They found a way to get it done. I'm sure they're looking for a more inspiring performance against South Dakota State. But, yeah, 7-3 to behind a field goal and two safeties. It's something I'll remember for a long time on that one, I think. The last time the Dallas Cowboys got two safeties in a game, incidentally, was – in 2003 when they played the Arizona Cardinals at Texas Stadium and yes that was you know who's return game to Texas Stadium but uh, yeah they did it in week five of 2003. Well I'm of that you know who as well uh, Emmett Smith's son had a, a long touchdown for Stanford in their first game so a lot of ties to the Cowboys of course as always throughout the college ranks getting going on that first weekend there. Yeah, and normally when people think about the Cowboys, you have uh, an offensive identity. When they've been championship and so forth, it's been an offensive identity. But whether or not Dallas is in championship contention this year or not remains to be seen. But I wonder if their identity actually in 2022 is that of a defensive team i wonder if they're actually more like a raven style team or one of those old lovey smith chicago bears teams um just really more of a defensive identity in 2022 than offensive yeah that feels like where their chips are in on this table right you know joey jones has been trying to sell this team all offseason of a lot of things that have been pretty hard to truly buy into but one of his most recent quotes you know along those lines certainly does make a lot of sense. He said you can do this thing with the emphasis on defense, and of course that doesn't mean that you want to keep number four standing, keep them healthy, keep them in the game, and have a good plan where you can go you know, win the game late. So we talked last week about how this might be the tightest margin as far as how this team needs to play if they're going to win in a long time, and that quote 
certainly shows that, you know, they're, they're banking on close games. And if you don't get as many turnovers, regressing to the mean there, those extra possessions that you don't have in close games can make all the difference. And, you know, of course, we, we all expect that the NFC East got a lot better this offseason too. So those 50-point performances against Washington and the Eagles and all that could be going away too. So, you know, there's still a lot to worry about as far as this team being ready to actually win with their defense. But I think just as a standalone defense, what Dan Quinn has is amazing, and it's going to be a very good unit. It's just a matter of can they take that next step to win games when the offense is truly struggling. And there were games last year where they didn't. You know, Kansas City on the road, you really could have went in there and made some noise by beating Papa Holmes at home. You held him down, but the Cowboys offense didn't hold up their part. So you could see more games like that, and then you could see more of you know, the games that got away from the Cowboys too, just based on how their offense is going to struggle with the, with the offensive line and you know, potentially drives going backwards, Prescott under pressure, all that. So it's an offense that's going to need to still do a lot. It's a defense that's being asked to do a lot. And if they somehow marry those two things together, then you know, this could be another contending team. Yeah, and what I found interesting was what Jerry Jones said on 105.3, the fan on Friday, which, you know, hey, that's going to be a theme around here because, in general, I'm listening to more Joneses than is allowable by law. I actually have to do it through the European Union uh, because they have different regulations on how much of the Joneses you can listen to that's allowable by law, so I have to get an EU exemption for that. But um, he talked about how uh, where, where have you seen Micah Parsons grow? And he said, quote, and this is in the middle of that paragraph, but he says, quote, you can do this thing with the emphasis on defense. That doesn't mean I just want to keep that number four standing, obviously, Dak keep him healthy, keep him in the game, have us a good game plan, and then give us a chance to make a field goal against Tampa rather than miss it like we did last year, unquote. To me, that sounds like strangulation-type games. You know what I mean? That doesn't sound like um, showdowns where you're just – it's offenses matching touchdowns. To me, those sound like wrestling matches. It's a hard thing to get excited for. You know, this is a quarterback in his prime who got a new head coach in Mike McCarthy a couple of seasons ago, of course, where his track record is working with, you know, quarterbacks also in their prime, getting the most out of them. He was starting to have that momentum with Kellen Moore. So this is a team that should certainly have a whole lot more around Dak Prescott. And not only was it things out of their control that happened where they can actually point and say, you know, oh, we didn't have control on this, and that's why this part of the offense is struggling or this injury is holding us back. You know, Tyron Smith remains to be seen. Those types of things, they were mostly all conscious choices that this team made to get, you know, pretty much worse on offense. And that's not to put, you know, any of these players down as far as who's going to be stepping into these roles. And Tyron Smith can prove to be a left tackle or a good left guard. Maybe we have Jason Peters news by the time this comes out. So, you know, there are players that can be, expected to step up on offense, but the fact that this is where we are on that side of the ball with Prescott already being the franchise quarterback, he's already got the big contract. He's locked in as far as, you know, not having to prove anything else. So it should be time to surround him with as much talent as you can and this defense. And then we'd be talking about, you know, hey, not only are they going to hold off the Eagles, but are they going to run away to the division again and go make some noise in the playoffs? It would be that type of team. But instead, the regression on offense paired with 
not being able to get enough turnovers on defense has us asking if, you know, they're even going to win this division again. So it's not the point they want to be at with Prescott. Of course, keeping him upright, though, is a top priority. You do need him out there. You do need his health above anything else this season. If you have that, then, you know, the accuracy on his throws, things like that have been at an all-time high. So maybe he is ready to just carry this thing a little bit further than we all expect. It begs the question as well, because you talked about Mike McCarthy. Um, what does what do you think he needs to do this season to keep his job? Because I'll lay it out again because it's fun. Um, you're going to have Sean Payton on the Fox morning show talking about what, uh, here's what I would do. And then you're going to have the game where McCarthy, you know, Dallas loses by, you know, a tenth of a point. Um, and then you'll have the post game show where Jason Garrett goes, well, here's what I would have done. And then the next week, Sean Payton on the Fox show saying, well, here's what I would do. And so you're just going to have that all season about Mike McCarthy's job. So Cowboys fans are going to be just psychologically amped up all season to fire the guy. So, But it's really more so what's going on inside the star. So what must Mike McCarthy do to keep his job this season? What What is it for you? And this is straight out of the, you know, only, things that only happen in Dallas file, but McCarthy's been really good throughout his tenure here as far as blocking out that outside noise and answering questions the right way. But, you know, I do think it's fair to say it gets to him a little bit, you know, as far as he came in here with the expectation that he's the win-now coach on a win-now roster and they're going to go for it. Now he's dealt with so many things that are out of his control or should have been in, you know, a situation in the first place as far as the resuffling of this team. And he's trying to be the guy who can get him through almost a, you know, rebuild on the fly. And one of our topics last week was, is this team even trying this year? You know, McCarthy would love to see something like that as far as him being a former Super Bowl winning head coach. And now we're talking about if he even has a team that he can take to the playoffs. And if they don't make the playoffs, what does that mean for his job? That certainly wouldn't be good. But I think as far as actual, you know, on-field coaching, what we need to see from McCarthy this season was the same hot topic last year. And that's taking a bigger control of this offense. You know, Kevin Moore, I think, is in a position where he's going to have to scheme things differently throughout the year, which I think can help him. You know, last year they kind of tried the same things over and over throughout the year. And when it worked great, it was awesome. When it worked really bad, it was terrible. I mean, there was no adjustments. And it was from the first quarter on, you could tell, like, it's going to be one of those types of days for the offense. And nothing ever really got fixed from an in-game perspective. So this year you're going to have, you know, different types of receivers out there. You're going to start the year with guys like Simi Fajoko and, maybe even Kevante Turpin playing a bigger role, but then you're going to have James Washington and Michael Gallup to stretch the field later in the year. So that alone can help Kellen more with this offense. But I think if you're really going to build an offense that can go play, you know, 17 regular season games and then two or three playoff games as opposed to just one, you're going to have to have McCarthy make that an influence there, make those decisions and really sell it on game days. He has a bigger role than just letting Dan Quinn and Kellen Moore do their thing because for opposite reasons, you might not have either of them, you know, next season. Quinn, potentially a new head coach candidate, and Kellen Moore, you know, the jury is still out on where he's going to go and what his future with this team is. Same goes for McCarthy, and he's an offensive coach, so he needs to step in and make sure this offense is doing everything it can. Yeah, so results-wise, what are you looking for? I'm talking January. As a win total or just getting into the playoffs? 
Whatever you want. Just uh, here, I'll do it. I'll I'll lead by example. I think he's got to show. I think if he can get them back into the playoffs, I think that organizationally, you have to give him credit for that because no one else has been able to do that since Chan Gailey. I'm talking as one coach. I know 06, 07, but that was the Bill Parcells, Wade Phillips crossover. I'm talking about there's been no coach in this organization since Chan Gailey in 98-99 to get them in consecutive playoff seasons. So I think if he can show that, he can show that they've (laughs) turned the corner a little bit. As much as another early playoff exit would hurt, of course, I think that you kind of sold me on that right there because they are playing so many young players this year. So I do think getting those young guys any level of playoff experience, even if it's just the first round again, you know, would help McCarthy. And then Stephen Jones would, of course, tell you the cap space situation is what it is right now because down the line they can actually use it, you know, to their advantage. So that starts next off season. So then maybe you finally see some splashes and you kind of go back to that all-in mode of trying to build this thing back up for another run after getting in the playoffs back-to-back season. So that would be, you know, a longer outlook than they're willing to take on this thing because nobody saw some of this current offseason moves coming to even put them in this situation in the first place. But I was going to say that they have to win a playoff game at the very least under McCarthy this year. But I do think it's a positive sign for them again that they do just make it into the playoffs, especially if that's by winning the division because nobody in the East has won this division back-to-back years since the Eagles in 2003-2004. Cowboys haven't done it since their 90s dynasty. So as much as they want to talk about, you know, their consistency and how it's hard to win championships, but they've been in the playoffs. They haven't even won the East in back-to-back years since 95, 96. So that's certainly, you know, the first goal for this team, to say the least, and then trying to be viable in the playoffs. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying is I think if you can do that, because that's what Mike McCarthy, I think his biggest attribute is when you look over his career yeah, he got the Super Bowl win. But it's really the fact that he took the Packers and they went 8-8 eight and eight his first year, conference championship game second. Then he went 6-10 and 10 with Aaron Rodgers. But then after, but in, starting in 2010, I mean, they're making the playoffs every year until 2017 when it was another collarbone year for Aaron Rodgers. And even then... They made the playoffs in a collarbone year for Rodgers in 2013. So I think that if he's just able to instill that culture of constantly getting into the tournament, I think that that would be a selling point because that's actually something that Cowboys fans have not seen. Like I said, going back to 06, 07, I don't even think there was YouTube back then. Well, there was YouTube. But, you know, it was like when iPhones were coming out and stuff. So that's what I mean is if they can do if you can do that, then you can at least sell the fan base, I think, on, hey, it's consistency. But um, I think it's got to be backed up with a playoff win. Otherwise, fans are just going to think, oh, they're one and done. So all they do is get in the playoffs and lose. So I think if he can get them just win a playoff game, even if it's, you know, a wild card, even if it's just that, I think that that will be enough to sell the fan base on, oh, hey, we're improving. 
And certainly, if they do make it to a playoff game, you don't want to hear him say that he sensed, you know, his team being nervous again. That was a story coming out of the 49ers wild card loss where, you know, he said he felt that the team was a little bit on edge before the game or anything like that. And, you know, they never really recovered, of course. They tried to make that late run with the offense. And they've played way too many games like that. We all remember those types of games, even as far back as Dak's rookie year at a playoff game against the Packers, we have to make a feverish comeback based on his arm. And, you know, they're not trying to play many of those games this year. When they are counting on Prescott's arm, it's, it's going to be in clutch time, still close games, and not the you know crazy comeback trail just because the defense is expected to hold other teams down. But yeah, certainly if they make a playoff game under McCarthy, you want to hear him say they are a lot more prepared than they were going into this year's loss. And if they are and that makes a difference for them to win and advance, then you know, that would go a very long way for his job security. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. But it all begins against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, of course, everybody wants to see a win, Sean. But facts are you can lose or tie in this game. And with that being said, what is a loss that you will accept against the Buccaneers? Yes, I guess we're talking moral victories. What's the type of- Nothing, Mark. We're going 17-0 and winning it all. Right? Um, what's the type of loss – like – what is a loss you will accept against the Buccaneers and not be mad and carry it over into next week? I think it starts with this defense again. You know, we're talking about is this a defensive team and, you know, what better test to start the season than Tom Brady and the Bucks, of course. So I think it starts with the defense, the pass rush, especially this defensive line is probably the strength of the entire roster. So can they get after Brady? You know, last year when they opened at Tampa Bay, they did get four turnovers in that game. There were two fumble recoveries and then Trayvon Diggs and Jordan Lewis had interceptions. So can they continue to get turnovers and get after Brady? If you can do it against Tampa, then there might be hope that you can do it against, you know, the rest of your teams on the schedule. If that's not happening, that's going to be right back to, oh, they're not going to get as many turnovers against anybody this year. And, you know, watch out. The Cowboys aren't as good on either side of the ball. And here comes the, you know, 500 struggling team with the Eagles overtaking the division. So, Defensively, you have to get after Brady, though. You have to move him off the spot. That takes not only defensive ends getting after it, but your defensive tackle group has been a bright spot in the preseason. If they can get that pressure in Brady's face, you know, guys like Odigizua, even Bohanna in there, they've played well. They need to continue on that. And then, of course, this offensive line not just being a complete, you know, liability. I know the four is pretty low there, but I think fans are pretty familiar with who Tampa Bay is throwing out there pass rush-wise. You know these names, Zach Barrett, Akeem Hicks, William Golston. They added Logan Hall in the draft, a prospect I liked a lot. So 
Todd Bowles is going to bring it. He knows where the weakness is. I think everybody does going up against Dallas right now with a rookie left tackle potentially and you know, Connor McGovern, a left guard, Beatus there at center, Terrence Steele, a right tackle, how he's going to hold up. So can you deal with this Tampa Bay pass rush? And can you take advantage of it as well to the point where, you know, Todd Bowles could be an overly aggressive coordinator at times and a head coach now of Tampa Bay. So if he is going to play over aggressive, you know, I'll have to see these receivers start winning these matchups and not just, you know, leave Prescott with nowhere to throw the ball. Dalton Schultz could be a line for a big game, I think. So you want the offensive line to just not be a complete liability where, you know, the drives are going backwards. Prescott's getting sacked multiple times in the same possessions, things like that. My friend Bobby Bell had this great stat that Prescott's completion percentage against the Bucks in his career is the highest of any quarterback against any team in NFL history. So the stat is there to keep him upright. This whole being dependent on Prescott's arm thing might just work even against a, an NFC contender like Tampa Bay because he's completed 79% of his passes against the Bucks. So keep him upright, as Jerry said, and count on this defense to uh, go do what they do, especially starting up front with the pass rush. If you do that, you could be allowed to win or lose it on a, another two-minute drive to Brady, and that would be you know, an okay, half-decent way to start the season. And then you have to go get ready for the AFC champion Bengals in week number two. I think if they lose because Tom Brady does what he does best and engineers some sort of comeback, they kick a 50-yard field goal with the caveat that the offensive line kept Prescott, you know, about two sacks. Um, Ezekiel Elliott in the running game was popping – you know, five yards of carry. Jalen Tolbert didn't look like a deer in the headlights. Dalton Schultz converted a couple third downs or a red zone play. Micah Parsons was beasting. Um, you know, I think if, if it's a hard-fought game like that that just came down to, oh, penalties. Dallas has fewer penalties. And, you know, it just comes down to, Hard-fought game, 50-yard field goal type situation. I think that would be enough to qualify for a moral victory, kind of like last year. Lots of Cowboys fans felt great after playing the defending world champion Buccaneers to basically you know, losing by a field goal. And even though it was because of Greg Zerline missing kicks throughout the game that led to that, I think... That's what did it. I think that's why fans felt good about it. And then, you know, kicking was an issue all throughout the year. But if it's something like that, I think fans will come away from it not feeling entirely dejected about the year. But if they lose, even if it is by a field goal, and throughout the game Prescott took nine sacks or something, or the run game was not there, or Jalen Tolbert turned the wrong way, and, you know, that's why Prescott threw a pick. I think if any of the things that people have kvetched about throughout the offseason end up costing them the game, then that will be nothing more than kindling for the fire. Yeah, don't let us down, Brett Maher. 
You know, one thing you mentioned that I found really interesting going all the way back to last year is coming out of that Tampa Bay game, you know, it almost felt like the Cowboys, and this happens, you know, for a lot of the teams that have to play that opener against the defending champ. So it's not unique to them, but they were in that spot last year. And, you know, coming out of that game, it almost felt like, you know, they addressed it as if it was predetermined. It felt almost not, that might be a strong word for it, but that they were going to lose, you know, in that situation, like, remember the quotes coming out of that game were like, oh, you know, we're happy we had a chance. It was a great honor to be able to go compete with the season opener. But, you know, I guess fans always had this idea that, you know, Brady's going to go win this game and he's never lost to the Cowboys and all that. And he did. And I was like, well, that's uninspiring. You know, we're, this is Mike McCarthy's team now. Like, where's the fire to say we haven't been the team that gets expected to win these games in so long and now we're going to do that. And that's exactly how the season played out. You know, fast forward all those months to the end of the year and the story of the 2021 Cowboys beyond any doubt was they beat the teams they were supposed to and lost to about every team they weren't supposed to, including, you know, the 49ers were playing so well going into that playoff game that you couldn't do anything about their momentum. And, you know, that almost played out like a game where you were just happy to be in it as opposed to taking the game to them and saying, this is our home playoff game. We're going to be the ones advancing. And they didn't do that either. So, you know, the pressure doesn't carry over, over from year to year as far as they don't have to avenge the last year's loss by beating the Bucks this year for this to be a successful season still. And for some of those reasons you mentioned, you know, it might be hard to win this game, of course. A lot of young receivers and young players going up against a very multiple defense and the offensive line is still a work in progress. But you do want to see just that, you know, overall competitiveness and that spirit to, uh, to look at last year and how it ended and be able to address it coming right out of the gates of your first four quarters of real football. Yeah, and again, we'll get to see, um, let's see, our podcast drops on Monday, so about 138 hours from now, whether or not all of that comes to fruition. All right, Sean, so let me ask you this. Cowboys fans are excited, the season's starting and everything, um, but you also have weird obligations. Like, for example, I had a friend send me uh, in a save the date and it's like for some weekend in November, I'm like, dude, get married in the spring. What is wrong with you? So, you know, people have to work and all this kind of stuff as well. When Cowboys games are on or they got to go to family stuff. What is, what are some obligations you have blown off? to either, you know, cover a Cowboys game or watch a Cowboys game? So two things came to mind when I saw this on the rundown today. And, you know, my first part of this is a bit weird because I want to foreshadow a little bit. But I know I've met some my kayaking group here in Austin before because we did the whole shout-outs for the Panda 5K, and they all enjoyed that quite a bit. And a lot of them, you know, knew that I did this with the Cowboys and was a big football fan. But some of them, that was their introduction to me being a football fan. They were like, oh, you know, I, I only ever really see you out here, you know, listening to music, paddling around. They see that side of me, and there's nothing, you know, on me that would just immediately give away that I'm a huge football fan. So they learned that I was, of course, when they see, you know, you and I's name on this podcast. So that was really cool. But now, of course, a lot of them are asking, you know, what are you going to do on Sundays, which is one of our meetup days usually, are we going to see you? Are you going to be glued to football? And so for those that listen, you know, my answer is definitely a mix of both. You definitely have a better chance to catch me on the water on Fridays and Saturdays in the fall compared to Sunday, but I am still going to try to make some Sundays 
when the Cowboys schedule allows it. You know, week three, they play on Monday. So that would be a good opportunity to uh, definitely be out there on a Sunday. So that's one thing. And then the other thing that immediately came to mind was Thanksgiving, of course. We usually go to my sister's house, and she's not really a football fan at all, not much of a sports fan. And for a couple of years, didn't even have cable TV, but just relying on the streaming services and such. So I made sure whatever year she got it, and I'm pretty sure she still has it, uh, she got like some antenna type thing just to get the basic channels, which is, of course, all you need for Thanksgiving football and all the major networks, the Cowboys. So made sure she had that antenna, and that thing comes out every Thanksgiving so that I can be assured that we'll get to watch the Cowboys game as part of that. And, you know, wherever I've always gone for Thanksgiving, it's always been accommodating to make sure I see as much of the game live as I can or maybe on Rewind and things like that. But, you know, Thanksgiving plans always revolve around making sure I'm going to have a way to watch that game. All right, so for me, it was Thursday, December the 4th, 2014. I used Upwork, which I'm sure some people are familiar with. It's like a a gig-finding, networking thing. So I went and looked for transcription jobs on there, and I found one. I was transcribed being this uh, something for a, a vape magazine. And they had interviewed someone that, you know, uh, was coming out with a new vape product. So I was transcribing it. Well, I noticed that I wasn't going to get done in time, you know, for the kickoff of the Cowboys-Bears game, which I was covering for Mike Fisher at the time. And so I told them, hey, you know, I'm not going to get this done. They got mad about it. I was like, well, then there you go. I'm done. Because nothing's getting in the way of covering Cowboys-Bears on Thursday night football. So you just go take your vape stuff and get out of here. I used to work uh, remote I mean, production games for Sirius XM. And, you know, Football Sunday up there was, you know, you, you get fans of all the different teams. Of course, the local flair with the Giants and all that. But you, we did have a pretty widespread amount of fans in that department. So it's not like you could really keep people are doing you know just no teams games because everybody had different teams and the timing you still had to cover every game so it was pretty much just a crapshoot on the schedule as far as what teams you were going to do and so I never really minded you know keeping one eye on the Cowboys while I was doing another game or even a couple times doing the Cowboys game with Brad Sam which is an awesome opportunity but the one time that I really just got caught up and was just mentally you know shot the worst conditions for a Cowboys game probably was a week 17 situation where they were playing Washington and they, they needed a win and the Eagles lost to, I think, the Giants. And I was doing the Philadelphia radio feed that day. So I had to watch the Cowboys while sitting there. Or the, and the Eagles were the night games. So I had to watch the Cowboys in the afternoon and then sit there. And my view for the Eagles-Giants needing a Giants win was, you know, listening to Philly radio. And they were pretty down on the team for a while. That game stayed closer, longer than it should have type of thing against the not-so-good Giants team. They were pretty down, but then as it started to turn, where it was you know, pretty clear that the Eagles were going to hold on and win that game, and the Cowboys wouldn't make the playoffs, you know, Philly Radio started to get pretty excited. I had to sit through that whole thing. So that was one of the more interesting but also tiring days that I had at Sirius XM when the Eagles kept the Cowboys out of the playoffs. Well, you're talking about Week 17 of 2019, which was Jason Garrett's last game, right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, because that was the scenario was Dallas had to beat Washington. Philadelphia was playing New York, and it was at the same time because that's what the NFL's learned 
is to try to do that. Otherwise, you get, you know, teams that make games not really competitive. And so, yeah, there was a lot of scoreboard watching going on as Dallas thumped Washington. I remember the Eagles announcers giving an update at one point. I think the quote was, you know, the Cowboys are up big at this point, and we all knew at that point Washington wasn't, you know, a team that could really make a big comeback. They were what they were that season. It wasn't a good team. And so the Eagles announcers just said, the Eagles need to win this game because Washington, you know, unless Washington does something that they're simply not capable of right now. You know, they they were scoreboard watching right there with us, and they saw the Cowboys up big and started focusing right in on beating the Giants, which which they did that night. Yeah, it was uh, definitely a parade, uh, you know, one last hurrah for the Jason Garrett era, which is something he actually did very well, and that's dominate the NFC East. All right, Sean, so – here we go. Let's go ahead and get to some Cowboys birthdays. On Monday, we've got Leonard Davis. He played le- um, left guard for Dallas from 2007. 2010, he turns 44 years old. And on Wednesday, Eric Williams, he turns 54 years old. He played tackle for Dallas, right tackle, from 1991 to 2000. And he just absolutely dominated Reggie White in the 90s. Yeah, absolutely. One of the bigger names in Cowboys aura, one that fans certainly know about. And you know, that's what's cool about putting these birthday lists together is you, I get them a little bit ahead of time, and it's a big mix of just current players. And then you see, you know, like a guy like Miles Austin pop up there the one week, and I know I'm going to get to talk about New Jersey roots. And so you see all kinds of cool things on these lists. So to see have Eric Williams the week before we uh, get to actually go into the season is pretty fitting. And then I on Thursday – Terrence Williams, he turns 33. He played receiver for Dallas from 2013 to 2018. I actually didn't – it never registered on me that he was that old, that he's just, you know, in his early 30s. Because I always still picture him as in his mid to late 20s. I have a coworker here in Austin that used to live in Seattle, and pretty sure the game he was at was the 2014 – the Cowboys were for real. They went into Seattle and won because of that late Terrence Williams catch from Romo uh, game. So that's probably most Cowboys fans' brightest memory of Terrence Williams. But you know, he was always known for being kind of an acrobat there on the sidelines and making those tight contested catches and tight windows, things like that, but none more so than that Seattle game where the Cowboys hung on to win. Oh, yeah, and he was known as a body catcher too, which fans absolutely oh, yeah. never criticized him over, ever. And then on Saturday, Charlie Waters, he turned 74. He played with Dallas from 1970 to 1981. Played safety. He actually didn't play in 1980. He had a knee injury sat out. But he did color commentary with Brad Sham on the Dallas Cowboys radio network. And then he came back and did the same thing back in 2006. And, you know, anyone that's gotten to work with Brad Sham is – Said nothing but great things about, of course, working with an icon and in the broadcasting industry. You know, me and you have worked it, so we can speak to, you know, some of the behind-the-scenes stuff that goes on as far as just, you know being in the press box and being prepared for the game and the note-taking that goes into it. It's quite a bit, and so when you have a guy like Brad Sam who doesn't take any of that for granted and tells the story of the Cowboys so well every year, you know what an honor it is to uh, get to play for the Cowboys, of course, and then work with the Cowboys Radio Network like Charlie Waters did. For sure, and those are your Cowboys' birthdays. All right, Sean, um, 
I failed to have a pork roll sandwich. By yeah, the it's time, time we, we we got some time here. We got to get serious about this. We're, we're picking out a date and making this thing happen. So. Yeah, we got to. But but I'm talking before week one kicked off. I thought I would have had one by then. But did you try that New York style pizza pie place? So I will be trying it. Today is Sunday. Of course, we're recording this on a Sunday or Saturday. Actually, we're used to recording on. No, it is Sunday. Well, I'm all messed up this weekend. It's Sunday afternoon here in Austin. Hello, everybody. And we are, and I'm trying it later tonight. Um, so we won't be able to get into this week's episode as far as our fans listening on Monday. We'll have to circle back to that. But yes, I'm trying uh, Hoboken Pie Company uh, Sunday night here. Yeah, apparently they call pizzas pies. So when he talks pie, he's not talking like pecan or apple or pumpkin. And we're not talking caps base cider. Ah, cap says. That's right. All right. Well, we made it, Sean. It's week one. It's here. I can't wait to see how the tenor of the show changes now that we'll be talking about actual football and not theoretical football and OTAs and, and you know, basketball on grass and yeah. preseason reps and all that. Yeah, get that coffee maker ready. We got another nighttime postgame show to do. Yeah, for sure. All right, so there it is.